Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new season of Conversations with Timothy Toju. I'm your host, Timothy Toju. And today we're here with a friend and a colleague, Anita Adefuye. She's the founder and CEO of Advanced and Fulfilled Coaching, helps immigrant prof uh, professionals establish their identity, advance their careers, and live a fulfilled life in Canada. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tim. I'm glad to be here. It's such a pleasure. Thank yeah. you. No worries. Thank you for, for joining us. Um, you know, for my audience that don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Okay, so my name is Anita Defi. Um, some people might know me as Anne. Um, I moved to Canada seven years ago, almost eight now. <clears throat> and um, like you rightly mentioned, I'm the founder and CEO of Advanced and Fulfilled Coaching Company. Um, it's a coaching platform that was birthed out of, you know, years of uh, working and helping new immigrants um, transition, not just themselves and their families, but also transition their careers and settle in well, um, and also be, you know, do great in their careers. Okay. Um, I personally work, I still work nine to five or eight to five. Yeah, um, yeah so I'm in policy and strategy. Okay. Uh, so I do a lot of policy and strategy development and implementation work. Um, okay. I currently work with the uh, provincial, well, up until yesterday, I worked with the provincial government. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, um, I have two kids, um, nine and six. Um, yeah. And I also do some other advocacy work. I'm an author. Quite frankly, I wear a lot of caps. Trust me. All if right. I want to go off at least, we'll spend some time. So, <laughs> I'm versatile and dynamic. I like that. So I like that. that. You know what? That's usually most entrepreneurs. They just don't have one business. They have several businesses and several passions that they work on. Right. So that's yeah. that's amazing. So with your coaching company, uh, what inspired you to start that particular company? Okay, so that's a very great question. Um, <clears throat> so when I arrived to Canada seven years ago, I was already in my dream job, quite frankly. Um, I moved here from Nigeria. I was already in my dream job. I was working as a diplomat. I was looking forward to my first diplomatic travel. <laughs> you know, I was right in the heat of things and really just having a good time. And then I made the decision that I needed to move here, mostly for my family, quite frankly. I wanted to just keep my family together. A job like that is already tasking enough, yeah. but to have to, and has a lot of movements, right? But to have to then do it, already living in two different geographical locations was just going to add another layer of stress to the whole family. And so I needed to make that decision. Um, but at the point <clears throat> that I was making the decision to, you know, um, stay back here in Canada. Um, I started asking questions, trying to figure out what I needed for, you know, if I wanted to get the exact same job back here. Mm -hmm. One thing was apparent, I was gonna have to be a citizen. That was the easiest thing that I could figure out. But yeah. everything else, what that pathway looks like, how to position myself, what I needed to know, it was hard finding the right information it was hard looking for finding the right people to even talk to and give me guidance. Mm. But even much more than that, <clears throat> I kept hearing things like, you know, you have to do survival jobs. Um, you can't just get anything in your field. You can't just get into, you know, um, uh, an employment that is at par with your experiences and skills and education. And that bothered me a lot, mm. you know, and 
um, at the time I did succumb to all that pressure. And what people really meant by survival job at the time, by the way, is just, you know, um, really is an underemployment, quite frankly, right? Um, and, you know, having a bachelor's degree, having tons of years of experience, I had to go back to work at McDonald's, which in and of itself is not a bad thing, but that really made me, you know, really underemployed. Mm-hmm. But I found a way to enjoy what I was doing. And I started my journey. I started doing a lot of research, doing a lot of reading, talking to different people. I expanded my circle, you know, and tried to talk to other people and even other fields that I considered. And I was able to come up with um, a career plan for myself and a career map. Having done that and in that process, I realized that I wasn't alone in that struggle. Mm-hmm. And so everything I was learning along the way, I started teaching other people. And I'd done that for quite some time. And then eventually I realized that, you know what, there are more people coming in, let's expand this. And I talked to the pastor of my church at the time and I said, hey, there are lots of new people that come into our church. Let's set up a platform for them where we can walk them through different things they need to know about settling in Canada. And so we started that. I was more focused on the career side of things. That was really my passion. I've always loved the idea of working and I wanted that to be a good experience for everybody and especially women mm-hmm. and so in doing that <clears throat> uh, I started having people reach out even personally help me with my resume walk me through a situation help me prep for an interview but people started abusing that so I didn't plan on having a business quite frankly yeah. the business side of it I started putting structures to manage my time because the workload was getting too much And so in doing that, I noticed that a lot of people sometimes tend to take free things for granted. Mm -hmm. And so as a way of putting value on my time and helping them see the value of what they were getting, because this is something that took me years of learning and I'm still learning. You know, I decided, you know what, let me just put a prize on this just to see what happens. And it helped filter a lot of things, but it also helped me see the potential that I can have if I just put an actual formal structure to things mm-hmm. and um, built out a process around it. And so that's how I got into the business part. I always joke around that I'm not, a, I don't consider myself a business person. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, that's how the business itself came to be. But really at the core of it is just helping people transition their careers. The other piece of it was also helping them in doing that, not to get lost in who they are. Because mm. that was a very big thing I also realized is that people were changing names um, just to fit a narrative. People were trying to, you know, change themselves almost to a point of no recognition of who they are anymore, yeah. just to try and fit within the culture, to try and fit within, you know, a set mindset that quite frankly, a good chunk of that was really, when you really think about it, is born out of either racism, discrimination, or someone else's lack of understanding of the backgrounds and ethnic um, peculiarities. And so in making sure that you're able to enjoy the life that you came here to live, a lot of people say I came for a better experience, but then they get here and better becomes not so great. And so to really help them enjoy what the land has to offer, not just in their careers, but even holistically speaking, is why I do what I do. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. You know, I remember when, my parents moved here about 30 some years ago. I remember them struggling 
right? To get right. their careers going. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of immigrants that just struggled to get their careers grow, going, right? Mm-hmm. So then mm-hmm. they end up working in their 70s and 80s because right. it was hard to retire because like you said, mm-hmm. when they came here, they had to take that survivor job, right? Because right. they couldn't get into their career path early enough. So right. as you know, Canada right now is focused on immigration and bringing people in. I know Saskatchewan as well, very focused on immigration. And we have a lot of Ukrainians that just came in as well right. uh, that now have to find a new life, learn a new language. Some of them learning a new language. So mm-hmm. what have you seen uh, right now? What have you seen to be some of the biggest challenges for people that are coming into Canada, especially, or even Saskatchewan, uh, in order for them to be able to, you know, follow their career or live a fulfilled life? What are some of the challenges that you are seeing? Great question. The biggest one, um, as far as careers go, is underemployment. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one thing to not have a job. It's another thing to have a job that doesn't maximize um, your skills, education, and experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'll, and I'll speak to this from a systemic side and also from the side of the immigrants themselves. From a systemic uh, point of view is, is that there's a system that tends to underemploy new immigrants as they come in. And I think it starts with even the kinds of conversations that are held at decision-making tables. Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, when you hear things like Canada has XYZ number of job vacancies, but then you look at the majority of those job vacancies are job vacancies that a high school leaver can do. Mm-hmm. But then they also tell you, you're bringing in all these immigrants and they're assessing them at a bachelor's master's type level. They're assessing them at a two, three, four, five years work experience level. The more years of work experience you have, the better. Yeah. And then it begs the question, if you're bringing in a million people, for instance, right? So fill in 800,000 jobs. But then you're assessing this million people at a level of bachelors. But then the jobs that are available of the 800,000 jobs, 700,000 of them are high school labor jobs. It begs the question that if without realizing your expectation is these people who have these levels of education have mm-hmm. to come and do this work that is way, 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 you know, far from where the, the type of experience and levels that they have. And that's an unspoken expectation right and I don't know if anybody has caught that yet uh, when I have the opportunity and I sit at tables I, I present those you know situations and so that's what you find from a systemic level the other thing systemically too is the settlement services that are provided it's great it's good but even for me when I started accessing the settlement services I quickly realized that even the settlement services um, career system is also set up to underemploy people. Mm. I was trained for levels of jobs that, again, was not at par with my experience and, and uh, um, education. It was good to help me get into the system, to help me understand how employers think. Mm-hmm. Hence the you know, very popular word Canadian experience. Yeah. It really opened my eyes to, and I didn't know this when I came in at the time, <clears throat> that the Canadian experience is not so much about where you work, but just so much about that, someone else has taken a chance on you. Yeah. Even if it's on a volunteer basis, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. know that. So when they kept saying, oh, well, what well, you mean Canadian experience, so go do this, 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 and that. 
it felt, quite frankly, at first I felt very insulted, like, come on, look at my years of experience, look at the types of jobs I've done, and you're asking me to go do what? They were, they were actually encouraging me to go do an administrative job, yeah. and I initially didn't listen, and I ended up at McDonald's. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and so having that experience, I realized that even the settlement systems were not really designed to help people get employed at par with their experiences. That was the sec that's the second thing. Um, the third thing is even access to the right information. Now you're saying people need to have Canadian experience, but then how do they even access information as to the expectations of Canadian employers? Yeah. Career fairs are good, they're great. When I was in that phase of life, I attended quite a number. But you know, what really happens at most of these career events that I find is there's just a bunch of employers and then there are a bunch of uh, potential employees Mm -hmm. And you just kind of walk around like you're just, you know, doing a trade fair, yeah. right? <clears throat> Excuse me. And so for me, it's that, can we have a system that allows it within those career fairs, for instance, that allows the employers to sit down and have real conversations with these employees and get to know them, get sense. to know their skill sets, get to know the potentials that they have. Don't create a system that brings in people at a high level of expectations only to bring them in and then give them something that is, you know, way below that bar. Yeah. And so that's that on the systemic um, side of things. <clears throat> on the individual part of things with the immigrants, one thing I noticed is that a lot of people get so caught up in trying to immigrate that they forget about immigrating their careers as well. Mm. They forget about transition in their careers. And so you hear people, you know, get here and then, by the time they're done settling for their kids, get their kids in school, get an accommodation, if it's around winter, maybe get a car, get a driver's license, then and then they want to settle in and find a job. And then they realize, oops, there's something called the Canadian experience. Oops, apparently I don't even know what the right resume is supposed to look like. You know, in Nigeria, when people put do their resumes and it's called CV in Nigeria, they put things like their religion, their gender, their state of origin, which is very ridiculous, but yeah. that's what you, you have to do. And there's a system that makes that, you know, the reality. Yeah. But then they come here and they include all those things. You know what I mean? Imagine yourself as a Canadian employer, right? You are an employer of labor yourself. So imagine yourself, you're looking at someone's resume and there's, you're seeing the religion, you're seeing their gender. It's like, what does this have to do with What is going job? on here? Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so some people have made the mistake of submitting resumes like that. And then you hear things like, nobody's calling me back. Of course, no one's going to call you back. They don't care about your gender, your religion. Mm -hmm. You know, and so there is that piece. Then there's also the piece of knowledge gap where the individuals don't know what they're even getting themselves into yet. Mm -hmm. They don't understand the field in the context of Canadian culture, in the context of Canadian experiences, you know, and for some of them is that they undermine the ability to break into the new system. Mm -hmm. Now, unless you're currently in today's world in specific niche fields like software development, programming, some subsets of IT, unless you're in those kinds of very niche areas, truth be told, you're not as high a ticket as you might think you are. Right. And it will take a lot of, yeah, it will take a lot of very intentional knowledge gathering, intentional networking and all of that to really just break into the system. 
And so from the individual side, there's a lot of work that needs to be done with, you know, doing a lot of research and understanding the, the, the industry, understanding the organizations that play in that industry, understanding, having a career vision. It's important to have a career vision that allows you to work with something. And that journey doesn't start when you arrive. It starts before you arrive. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. So then like for new people coming in, um, do, they, do they reach out to companies like you to help them begin that path of their career transition? Or how do they get there? Because you know a lot of the things that you've just said, you know, I didn't even think about that, right? Like mm -hmm. the amount of jobs available, but the level of jobs available. But yeah, we're bringing in these highly skilled in individuals without the level of jobs to fill their skills type of thing, right? So, right. so for, for people coming in, um, what are some of the advices that you will give to them? Um, maybe your top five advice that, that you would mm -hmm. give to them. Uh, what would you say that would be? Okay, great. So, <clears throat> and yes, the first question, they do reach out. Some of them reach out to me before arrival or right on arrival, okay. or they reach out to companies like me. The other thing is, remember the platform I had set that I talked to my pastor for us to start off? Yeah. I don't lead that anymore. There's someone else who is leading it now, and he's done a very fantastic job of taking things to the next level. It's not a registered charity organization. It's okay. called the Peculiar Connect. Okay. And so right now on that platform, we have about 800, 900 people, um, all potential newcomers and or currently newcomers okay. in the last six to six months to a year. Okay. And so for, and through that platform, we continue to offer um, career talks, career seminars that target that, you know, those kinds of um, community uh, groups. And so that's another way that some of them get some information. And even with assessment organizations, they're starting to do better. I know they now offer some pre-arrival courses okay. that touch on things like communication, the right way to frame your resumes. But again, access to information is still a big challenge. For some reason, all that information isn't really reaching newcomers as they should. And I don't know where that gap is. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And as to the top five you know, advice that I think I'll give, quite frankly, is have a career vision. And that's before you arrive. Sit down and say, okay, what am I going to do? What's, what's the plan here for me? And the reason this is important is because if you don't have a, a vision for where you're going, chances are you're not even going to know when you're on the wrong path, that's right? True. And so it's important to have a vision of where you're going and then map it out. Now, I've seen people who have thought that whatever career path they're on makes a lot of sense. And that might be true wherever you're coming from. Mm -hmm. But then they get to Canada and realize that those same career pathways are on their way to, you know, they're on their way to the end, mm -hmm. you know? And so, or they're not able to rise beyond a certain point as they thought they might be able to. Okay. And if you don't know that, then it becomes a problem. It's only a matter of time. You're gonna struggle, you're gonna feel stuck. Mm -hmm. And so have a career vision and then have a career plan on how you're going to get to that vision, right? And the planning, again, helps you see in bite sizes, in phases, kind of like project management, right? Yeah. To say, yeah. these are the milestones that I should have achieved by this time. When I did that for myself, I quickly realized that, you know what? 
They don't recruit for these positions in Canada every single year, like most places. So that's one. Two, you have to be a Canadian citizen. Three, you have to learn the French language or you have to be bilingual, depending mm-hmm. on what language you're coming in with, right? And so, and then four, you have to have tons of years of government experience, especially in policy is a huge advantage. I already have some of those experiences and four, five, you have to have a master's degree. I already have many of those experiences, right? Mm-hmm. But I need them now within the Canadian context. So it made sense for someone like me to pursue public service jobs as opposed to private sector. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't know that, the only reason I, I knew that was because I sat down to develop a vision. I sat down to put out a plan. Mm-hmm. And within that plan, I had milestones. I should have a master's degree by this time, which I did. I should have this years of experience by this time. And because I wasn't sure what exactly the system here would, would entirely entail, you know, I was able to diversify the experiences that I have. So have a vision, have a plan, and then map it out. And then the other thing is that, um, and I don't know if this comes, it's not, it's not, it's in no particular order per se, but let that plan start before arrival. Okay. I've worked with clients who on arrival already got a job because they started the journey before. before. They had someone to talk to and then have tons of build a solid network. Okay. I know that one sounds very funny because it's like, I'm brand new. I don't know people. How do I build network? You probably know at least one person, at least one person. And there's something called leveraging networks. And so you leverage the network of the one person you know, chances are that one person knows five more people, Absolutely. right? So when you really think about it now, you know, six people, you know, and so leveraging networks, building networks. If you're brand new, you don't know anybody, there's at least one person, you know, leverage that one person. And if you don't know anybody at all, then step on out and start to know people. And start with communities that, you know, your communities of people that you know, people that look like you, people that sound like you. Start from there and start to build out. And don't keep quiet. That's another advice that I'll give. People, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know, they they keep their problems to themselves, you know, where they can just ask a question, ask lots of questions, because you never know, right? So build networks, have a career vision, have a career plan, map out the plan, um, build networks, Build lots of networks. And then um, finally, I would say be bold. Don't be scared to be who you are. Mm-hmm. Because again, the, the, a lot of people feel very frustrated because they feel like they're losing a sense of themselves in yeah. trying to integrate into the system. And that shouldn't be the case. You've come here, you want to live a good life. We already have winters to get you depressed. Yeah. And that's enough. Yeah. You know, but let's not add layers to it. Be bold about who you are. When you're confident in who you are and you show the most authentic self, you're most likely to be happier day to day. That's true. No, that that makes that makes a lot of sense. You know, you said one thing uh, earlier on that just kind of reminded me of uh, a post that I uh, that I made today. You said you've got to have a plan, and that plan has to start before you get here, right? And, uh, and, you know, the post that I made today, it was about having a plan and putting action behind that plan, right? Uh, you've got to set your goals, take action, then do it. And then once you get good at it, inspire and empower others to live their life. So from what I'm hearing here, that is exactly what you've done, right? You've had your plan, yeah. your goals, and then you noticed right away that you have that capacity and passion to inspire others so they can live out their dreams in this new country 
and you turn mm -hmm. that passion into a business, which is something amazing. And I'm glad that you're doing it. Um, you know, the, the thing with building a network of people, especially when you just came to a new country is, yeah, like you said, it's easier to build a network of people around people that you know, people that look and talk yeah. like you. And luckily we're, we have those networks available now, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, in case of Nigeria, we have the Nigerian Association, we have different church networks, right? Uh, you right. know, there's the Ukrainian Association, the German Association, there's many different uh, cultural associations that are now yeah. available Regina open door that helps people integrate so it's great yeah. to hear that uh, true services like yours you can help people connect and people mm -hmm. set those goals and set those career paths but I know that's not the only thing that you're passionate about I know that yeah. uh, you wrote a book not too long ago can you tell us mm -hmm. about that book yes and you're right the book also is birthed out of a passion but also an experience so yes, um, I'm passionate about a lot of things, quite frankly, women, teenagers, yeah. um, uh, sexual violence, mental health. Mm -hmm. um, and so the book is titled Revealed, and it's spelled R-E-V-E, yeah. healed. Um, and that's sort of a, a coining of word that talks about revealing to heal in that sense. Um, the book is based on my personal life story and journey with sexual child sexual abuse okay. and molestation. Um, um, the key points of that or the, 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 the climax of the story is amongst the several men that I had experiences with, sadly and unfortunately one of them being my father, and what that looks like and how I was able to navigate out of the experiences, the, the, the scars and the wounds mm -hmm. that it left me with. And again, it was birthed out of that realization that I'm not alone on this. Mm -hmm. And for the longest time, I thought I was alone. Who's going to believe me? And I would use stories of women like Oprah and Joyce Meyer to really console myself, like they get me, you know, but as I talked to people and started sharing through a blog post, <clears throat> I realized that I was not alone. I would have people reach out and, you know, have conversations with them. And um, I figured, you know what, I'm at a place where I think I'm healed from this. Mm -hmm. And I just want to share what that story was like for so many reasons. One being to help other survivors find their voice and yeah. be inspired as well. To help communities, you know, realize the role that we all play because the book is not just a story. It also highlights, and at the end of every chapter, there's what I call the golden nuggets. Okay. And it might be a piece of research or just to expand on some of the concepts of the experiences I just shared in, in that chapter. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I wrote about. But I also blog about things on sexual violence, you know, just educational content, awareness content, um, occasionally story content. Yeah. Um, on it's called loudsilences.org yeah. uh, .org. Um, I also blog about that and I also YouTube on some of these topics as well, including now career topics as well. Yeah. So yes, that's what the book is about. All right, you know, maybe. You know, I'd like to have you back for a second episode to kind of talk about the book and talk about your experiences, because I know this is something that even like just right before the pandemic, this is something that's kind of come to light that a lot of people yes. have 
experienced and are going uh, and are going through, but nobody really talks mm-hmm. about it. So I'm thinking that there might be a second episode here for us to <laughs> kind of dive deeper into into the book and kind of your experiences, so that we can help those listeners that have maybe gone through the same experiences as yours. But uh, you know, you you are one person that uh, inspires me as well, because as I as I look through. Um, my life and you know my career and the businesses that I've been able to start and work on, I kind of I see what you're doing, right? And as I have people come to me and ask for career advice, I, I always think you know, like Anne is out there helping people. I am gonna be here helping as many people as I can as well, right? So. So just know, even though we don't talk every day, I do see your post and I do find them inspiring and you've inspired me as well in my career. So I just want to thank you for that. And uh, I hope that our listeners are inspired by you today. If if anybody wants to find you online or follow you on Instagram or your YouTube, what is your your online or social handle? Is that if that's what they call it? (laughs) Yeah, yes. Anita Adelphi. It's very simple, straightforward. Anita Adelphi. And right. can I just quickly say, team, that, you know, I'm glad to hear and thank you for sharing that, you know, the work that I do inspires you. Because quite frankly, maybe this is an additional advice, is even when you don't have access to people directly, mm-hmm. find someone who looks like you, mm-hmm. but is where you're hoping to be, or at least is on the way there. And I remember one of the jobs I had, you were our next door neighbor. And I think, no, that wasn't my first time meeting you. I'd met you before, you know, you had spoken somewhere. And, you know, just, I remember always coming in there and I watch you do your stuff. And I just used to feel so inspired. And I, I'll tell myself that, look, this is Nigerian, moved here years ago, just like you. Uh, maybe we were, we were a child when you moved yeah, here, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but still, um, and that always just inspired me and gave me strength to go on, you know, and it made me realize that someday I can be this, I can be whatever I choose to want to be. So thank you, because you have been such a strong presence in the, in the, you and your family have been such a strong presence in the Nigerian community, in faith-based community, and it, it speaks volumes. So thank thank you. you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Again, I want to thank you for joining me today. And uh, like I said, so it's got to be a part two here so we can um, dive all deeper for that. into <laughs> the book and your life experiences. But uh, absolutely. yeah, thank you very much for joining us. And until next time, Thanks. we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks.